0: And find purpose in staying free forever. Here, are your hosts, Matt Klein and Braden Hafner. Hello, hello! Thanks for tuning in again. Uh, Matt and Braden here. We've got a very special guest this week. I was telling him just before we started recording that I think I read his youth devotionals as a teenager more than I read the Bible. So, <laughs> I've loved Josh McDowell's work for a long time, and he's a leader in. Christianity, I would say, I've, uh, he's just so well respected. Yeah. I read online that he's got 151 books, I don't know how that's humanly possible, but he corrected us and said it's 154 now, and he's also very, very multilingual, it's in 128 languages all around the world, so I don't know how you speak that many languages either, Josh, but pretty <laughs> amazing. You do it very well. <laughs> He's got four kids. He's got 10 grandkids. His wife, Dottie. I love that name. My grandma was Dorothy, but everybody called her Dot. So I love that your wife is Dottie. Thanks for being here today, Josh. We're excited to
1: chat. Well, this is a privilege. It's like dying and going to heaven and waking up in your basement. (laughs) yeah
2: so we record in our basement so that's what josh is talking about our background isn't say the nicest background but hey this is where we are
1: (laughs) makes you two guys look good then
0: (laughs) exactly exactly. thanks josh so i want to start off just i mean you're an apologist you've written books on everything you've taught on everything you you're not just one specific topic in your focus but pornography in the last few years decades i don't know exactly when it started for you that became a focus can you just chat about Why that became something so prevalent in your heart to talk about?
1: Because people refer to me as an apologist, which I am. It's which means to set forth positive reasons to believe. And I hone in on the resurrection, the scriptures, the deity of Christ, you name it, changed lives, everything. And a number of years ago, I realized there's something wrong, especially with young people in a sense of their authority, everything. And after a whole year, usually I can pinpoint a problem immediately. It took me a whole year and I said to my wife, I said, I found out what it is. It's a pervasive internet pornography. I found out that when people start watching pornography, it starts to diminish their sources of authority, like the Bible, Christ, the church, the pastor, the speaker, their parents, their teacher, etc. And that's what I, I was noticing, a diminishing of authority. And so I realized that if I want to see people come to Christ, I must deal with pornography or I'm not in God's calling in my life. But it's not my main thrust. My main thrust is setting forth positive reasons to believe. Right. And I love what you said. This is a response to what you're seeing in the culture
2: and the world. So you made that decision that we need to talk about this. Why is it important for us at the church then as, you know, leaders in the church or even pastors, lay leaders to start talking about this? Why is it important for them to start talking about
1: this? Well, let me give you a few statistics and you can draw your logical conclusion. Hours of video uploaded last year, 720,000 hours of pornography uploaded. Amazing. Wow. Last year. YouTube videos watched an average each year. 4.3 trillion, trillion pornographic videos. YouTube videos watch on average each month, 197 billion a month. And that's half your church people. I mean, there's a couple other stats here that just, it's hard to grasp. 87% of young men said they use porn regularly. 77% of Christian men monthly go to the internet to watch porn. The um, American Academy of Matrimonial Lawyers said that 56% of all divorces stem from pornography. It enhances the chance of divorce 300% in a marriage. There's over 3 billion pornographic web pages. And so porn is just one click away. Half the people in the church, watching porn and 57 percent of the evangelical pastors watch porn and so why do we have to address it because if we don't it will destroy the church it will literally destroy the church and the entire missions of a mission of a church so that's why we must address it plus almost no one else is addressing it yeah, i know there's another stat that says seven percent of churches have programs addressing pornography in other words 93 percent of churches have no program addressing pornography that's pure sin that's probably one of the most devastating stats i've ever heard in the church yeah. it is it yeah. is absolutely With the, like
0: the biggest epidemic i would say you'd say the biggest epidemic right now in our world and 93 percent of churches aren't addressing it it's so sad Josh, what could it look like? What could the church look like if
1: pornography wasn't an issue? There'd be far fewer divorces. You'd have far greater evangelism. You had far, I mean, incredible more time in the scriptures, in Bible studies and everything. You would have by far so many more volunteers because when you start watching porn, you don't volunteer in your church, uh, period. There, there's so many devastating things of it, but you know, here's one of the most important things: is why is porn exploding all over the world? Listen, to this: it's anonymous; no one has to know. It's accessible; one click away. It's affordable; ninety percent is free. It's addictive; one look, you're hooked. It's available; you can't miss it. It's aggressive. People say, "Well, my kids aren't going to look for porn." I say, "How stupid can you be?" <laughs> Yes, your kids are probably wonderful kids, good kids, and they probably won't look for porn. But wake up, mom, dad, turn your brain on. Porn is looking for your children and will find your children. It's aggressive. It's addictive. You keep going back. It's appealing. It's captivating. And the thing is, porn never needs translation in any language. Very true. It's universal. So that's why... Porn is exploding all over the world. I call them the eight A's of porn. I believe the key is the church and the key is the pastor. Mm. And what I would say to pastors, if you do watch porn, you won't become free alone. Get professional help. Don't just go to another pastor. Most pastors don't know how to deal with porn. Yeah, And I understand that. Uh, they don't. Most counselors in the church don't know how to really intelligently deal with porn. You need professional counseling, pastor. Get help. There are seminars you can go to. Second, pastors need to go to seminars to learn on porn. There's so much ignorance out there about its effect, how it works, everything. And the more knowledgeable a pastor becomes, the more effective they will be with their people. Then the pastor has one strike against him, you pretty well can't talk about porn on Sunday morning. (laughs) right? There's children there, everything. And so if I were a pastor, I'd have special, special sessions like a Sunday night, a Wednesday night, a Saturday morning. I would host seminars dealing with porn and I would host it just not for your church, but for other churches. That way it frees up your people to go. But if you stand up as a pastor and say, look, if you have a problem with porn, we're having a seminar Saturday morning. I want to see you there. No one's going to go yeah, because the time you walk in, oh, he's a porn addict yeah. and you'll be labeled in the church. And so sponsor a porn seminar for the community, uh, for other pastors, churches and all go together with two or three other churches and uh, co-sponsor seminars on pornography. You'll never regret it and your people would deeply appreciate it. Mm. Then, what a pastor needs to do, and you can do this on Sunday mornings in a very cautious way, the best way to deal with porn is to create the most incredible, exciting, positive, biblical perspective of sex. My gosh, if people really understood why God created sex, its meaning, its purpose, its joy, you would never want to turn to porn porn could not match it but the problem is i hardly meet anyone that knows god's biblical view uh, of sex i mean come on you go to proverbs somebody said what's your favorite verse in the bible it said be anxious for nothing but let the breast of your wife satisfy you at all times and be enthused about her love meaning sex Now, come on, let her breast satisfy you at all times. How do you do that when you go shopping at Walmart? God give men a good imagination and a good memory. And then it says, be excited, enthused about sex with the wife of your youth, not your neighbor's wife, with the wife of your youth. And when you have that, porn is not near that attractive as a real thing. Yeah, it's true. Isn't it amazing
0: the beauty of sex, the power of sex, that that sex is like it represents the consummation of a covenant that most closely represents covenant between God and man. And yet that's the thing that we don't talk about in the church. That's the thing the pastors are like, oh, that's not my personality to talk about. There's so much beauty in it. I love that you're saying that because it's so true.
1: I would have testimony in the church by men and women who become free from porn. Yeah. I'd work with them on how to share their testimony, but that have become free from porn. Because, look, half the people in your church are struggling with pornography, men and women. 70% of all new pornographic websites are for women. Wow. For women, I think, now this off the top of my head, 38% of of evangelical women pursue pornography. Yeah. 77% of men. So have men and women. Who have become free share their testimonies off and on different people on Sunday morning if you have Sunday evening services Sunday evening but let even young people hear there's hope there's answers to it and in the testimonies you'll see how devastating it is too yeah where it's far better hearing a businessman who was devastated by marriage everything then came out and became free than listening to the pastor right yeah wow and
2: you've, you've talked about some really effective ways that I think churches can address this. And I think that's key because a lot of pastors and boards and whatever else are playing catch up here because in the digital world with porn, it's exploded in a way that wasn't foreseen really. And now we're playing catch up. And I'm sure you've seen a lot of different stories about how churches have dealt with porn. And you've talked about some effective ways that churches can address this. What are some things that we should avoid though, when we're talking about porn and dealing with porn as a church?
1: Let me go one step further on how to address it that I forgot. Sure. Is if I were a pastor, I would research out counselors, professional counselors in the area. They don't necessarily have to be believers, but I think it would be better if they were. Pure Desire, Dr. Ted Roberts. The Pure Desire book, every pastor should read it. Pure Desire. Uh, The Pure Desire website, they have seminars for pastors to learn a porn and everything. Go to the website and Google Pure Desire books, seminars, website, etc. You won't regret it. Ted Roberts has done a tremendous service to the church yeah and some things we need to avoid is making sure especially with the young people and this is why it's so hard to deal with it on sunday morning that you don't build unnecessary images in a child's mind that can be devastating and, and let me tell you it's a fine line you've got to go to the edge you really do you have to go to the edge and, and hope you don't fall over because until people realize first of all, intellectually, the devastation of porn in their own personal lives, they're not going to turn from it. You can talk into your blue in the face. And so just be careful with the young people. You're not building unnecessary images uh, in the brain. And then be careful you don't shame people. Most people that are into porn after a while really don't want to be, but they, they don't think you can get out. And it's so captivating. Don't shame them, give them hope. Give them hope. There is freedom. You can save your marriage. You can put your marriage back together. You can put your life back together. You can put your family back together. Be very positive. And this is where you need testimony of people who have put their families back together. Someone who put their marriage back together. Uh, Someone who put their life back together. Testimonies from porn is so important for pastors to use that. And so avoid unnecessary images. Don't be a hypocrite. Uh, Pastors are human. They can become addicted like anyone else. And uh, if you break your arm, you go to a doctor. Well, if you bruise your soul, your spirit with pornography, go for help.
0: What if a pastor is stuck
1: in pornography
0: and they're like, man, this is wrecking my life, but I'm not free yet, but I want to address it. Do you think that it's helpful for pastors or youth pastors, young adult pastors to stand up and go, guys, I struggle with pornography. I don't want you guys to struggle. We got to get help together. Or should that pastor go get get private help
1: first? I have a phrase that most of the time is true: never share a defeat until you have a victory. If I were that pastor, I would I would take a sabbatical. Not tell him why; just said I want I need a sabbatical for seven months or whatever, a couple months, three, four months, and I would call Pure Desire and say I need help, and Pure Desire will help you in a big way. And uh, personally, there's tremendous counseling on the internet and the phone uh, for pastors and there's seminars they can go to. Seek help and then start working with your men, but take some time off the church. That's really wise advice. Now for maybe somebody that isn't a
2: pastor and They've gone on their journey of maybe getting porn out of their life and getting healing. And they see this in their church and they're not sure what to do. Maybe they don't have the pastor's ear or they have those relationships. What would you say to the people, the, the congregants in the church, maybe that have been dealing with this and want to help? What would you say to them to start maybe a movement in their church to deal with this? Even if, you know, we don't want to go against what the pastor is doing and, and create this, you know, disunity, but what do you do? You know, what do you do if you're that person?
1: First of all, in that situation, if the pastor's like that, you probably won't have a platform to challenge the old church. So it'd have to be one-on-one. I would go out of my way to serve the church, to serve the pastor, be a servant, and as best you can, share with him about the need to be free. And then it can be. But here's another principle. Elephants, listen to Elephants pastors listen to pastors more than anyone else. They'll listen to other pastors. And I would even go to a pastor of another church that you know that is not addicted in porn and challenge them to put on a seminar for pastors. Not say, well, my pastor is addicted. No, 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 no. Just go to a very influential pastor and say, you know, not only do I see it in my church, but every church is true. So many are enslaved. I like the word enslaved to pornography. And pastor, you can have a great impact in our community if you would host a seminar for pastors and bring in the top people. Call Pure Desire. They'll help you. They'll help you put on that seminar, everything. They'll come in and put it on for you. And that's the way I would do it because they're pros at it. And they really got a heart for Christ and seeing believers become free. And so that's one thing you could do. But if you go behind your pastor's back to do it, it'll backfire. It'll backfire. It'll backfire with some of the people in the congregation, and it'll backfire with the pastor and the leadership. So you might, if people, individual people you know, go to them and just don't say, you know, a lot of people in the church have watched him. No, said, said, oh, well, Jim, how are you doing with it? Are you free yet? And start ministering to people one-on-one, and then it'll catch on but don't go against the pastor. Win the pastor over by serving him. That's great
0: advice to serve first. It's, it's so true, it's a biblical principle. Do you think that we can conquer porn? You think that the giant can be brought down, Josh? Or will it just be something that, you know, a lot of guys go, ah, I'll just struggle with this forever. Pastors might think this will be in my church
1: forever. Porn was here in the days of the caveman, and porn would be here at the second coming of Christ. Mm -hmm. No, it's so big. It's so those eight things that I listed, you know, anonymous, accessible, affordable, addictive, available, aggressive, addictive, appealing, apprehensible. It's going to be here. But I think it's one thing that seminaries better start addressing. Yeah. Right. When a student graduates from seminary, they better understand porn, know how to deal with it, what to do, what not to do, everything. And any seminary that doesn't do that, I will look them right in the eye and say, why don't you close your doors? Hmm. Because everything you train those students to do with the Word of God, teaching, preaching, everything, porn will destroy. Porn will destroy. And if you don't deal with porn, close your seminary doors. You're not doing God's will. I'll say that to anyone. I'll debate anyone on that. Yeah, and you
0: can even read it in first thessalonians 4 it says his will for you like abstain from sexual immorality his will for you is to be sanctified in this way so it is true and i know that there's seminaries that when people enroll students enroll there's a box that they have to check off yeah right? i will yeah. not watch porn the whole time i'm in seminary and what that does is it teaches people to hide it doesn't do anything yeah. and so then they go through seminary and they haven't dealt with their addiction and they've just checked this box off but now they're hiding and so they go into ministry with this habit of hiding their porn addiction, just and they don't know how to deal with it. I love that you're saying that because it's so true.
1: Every seminary, even right on the bulletin boards, a list of professional counselors they can go to. In fact, if I was a seminary president, like the same thing I do with a pastor, I would find maybe two of the best ones and work out a financial deal with them. That they'll give maybe a 25, 30% discount to any member of their church or any student from the seminary. And then just promote those two. I would definitely do that. Yeah. And you might have four seminary required seminars on porn. Not if you're porn addicted, you need to be there. No, this is to equip you as a pastor to help your congregation. I can't emphasize that enough. Yeah, absolutely. And so you've talked a little bit about
2: you know, I'm picking up on this of, of how we can shift maybe some of the cultural stuff, baggage that maybe we have in the church where people go underground, push stuff under the rug, don't want to talk about it. And that starts in a lot of times in seminary Bible school, because we're we're getting people to check boxes off and they can't match up to that. And they feel shame. They feel down on themselves. What are some other ways that as a church, even starting with seminary um, and in other areas that we can start to shift a cultural understanding of this and even create more authenticity, maybe more openness and get rid of that, that shame kind of stuff that pushes us in a way that we, we just keep hidden and, and isolated.
1: By seeing more and more and more people become free, second, by addressing it in schools, churches, by addressing it a positive way without using shame, you're condemned for it. And I would say then Hosting positive seminars on pornography. Have a special one for parents. Call it for the sake of the children. That's what I do. How parents can protect their children. That is so key because pornography will find your child. I don't care if you isolate your child and lock him in a closet. Porn will find your child. And the key with parenting here is not Well, I just gotta keep my child from seeing porn. Now that's important, but you never will keep a child completely from seeing porn. The key is to prepare your child for the first time they see it. And where your child is feeling totally free to discuss it with you. If they say something wrong, you don't condemn them, you listen to them, you address it later. You don't correct them, you listen to them, you correct them later. And get where if you have a child that feels totally free to talk about these things with mom and dad, then when they do see it, they'll say, mom, do you know what happened this morning on television, you know what happened here? You know, at school, a kid brought his cell phone and showed this mom, and then you don't say, well, that's awful, I don't want you to be around that child. No, 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 no. You might ask your child, say, well, honey, thank you. Thank you for sharing that with me. Trying to find a way to to bless your child for coming to you. Maybe say, you know what? Let's go out and get an ice cream Sunday. Maybe they really like this special. Let's go get an ice cream Sunday. Honey, I'm so proud of you coming to me and sharing this with me. And then, second, you might right then or a little later say, You know, Jimmy, why is it wrong to watch porn on a cell phone? Well, it's just wrong. And then you can add a little bit of content to that. Is that good for Jimmy to do that? No, mommy. Why? Why isn't it good? Let your child speak and then add content to the conversation you have with them. That way it can be so positive. But it has to start out with that relationship, with that relationship. Rules without relationships lead to rebellion. Truth without relationships leads to rejection. Talking about porn without relationships leads to walking away from it from your conversation reject. It's the relationship, dummy. It's the relationship. As probably President Clinton would say, it's the economy, stupid. It's the economy, as he said. <laughs> but yeah. it's that day in and day out conversation with your child. And then people say, well, okay, this is one of the biggest questions I get. How old should a child be to start talking to him? And I've wrote, written several books in this one, How to Talk to Your Child About Sex Meaning in the Day of the Internet and Pornography. And I say, well, and people think I'm joking. I'm dead serious when they're born. What? And say, you don't see people's ra- when they're born. Oh, come on, Josh, be real. No, you be real. Look, probably the average age of a child starting to see and become addicted to pornography is six to eight years old. You need three to four years to build in what I call a spiritual antibody to an outside negative pressure, like porn, whatever. And here's the way you do it. And it's so, and it's so wonderful and simple. You're changing your, your son or daughter's diaper, and you don't make a big deal. I say, isn't God wonderful? He created you so beautiful. You're just so beautiful. You're so handsome, son. God created you with a wonderful body. And then maybe another time down the road, son, isn't God wonderful how he creates little boys with penises? Isn't he good? And then maybe a little later on, a few weeks, or whatever. Isn't God wonderful how he creates little boys with penises and little girls with vaginas? Isn't that thrilling? God is so good. And then just little by little, you add to it in a positive because what you're doing, you want to build into them a very positive image of their body. That's one of the keys to porn. Is that your body is so beautiful, so it's worth protecting. And but you have to start young to do that. You need that built into a child. But I would say latest seven eight years old. And so if you don't start at birth, you're missing a lot of opportunities. Taking baths, giving everything. Isn't God wonderful? He created you with such a beautiful body, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera.
0: I love it. Yeah, I love it. It's, it's really cool, really practical, really simple stuff, and it is so important to do it and at an earlier age than what we feel is comfortable, but we've got to parent and do it that way. But Josh, what do you say to parents who have their own struggle? and They're like, well, I don't, or even they've had a past struggle, sexual struggle, or they've, you know, different, there's been infidelity, porn addiction, and they don't want to open up to their kids about that. What do you say to those parents?
1: You have to be careful. A lot of times children couldn't handle it. A lot of times, even teenagers can't handle it. I say to men, listen to your wives. A woman's intuition is far better than three pieces of a man's evidence. (laughs) (laughs) I can say to my wife, honey, there's three reasons why we ought to do it. And she has hesitancy. I've learned to listen to her. Often we do one of my three things, but to listen to her, because a woman's intuition is a God-given piece of evidence of right and wrong. And so listen to your wives. Women know are much more in tune to when and how much to share. But here's the problem. The phrase I always hear is, well, I just don't want to share too much too soon. I, I don't think I've ever seen that problem ever. Yeah, the I problem agree. is always too little too late. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just that when people say, I don't want to share too much too soon, that's usually just an excuse for ill-equipped parents. Yeah. Any parent that doesn't know more about sex than their child and boy, they got a, they got a problem. They got a problem. (laughs) That's such great advice to parents, Josh. And I have a book out there that can really help parents. It's called The Bare Facts. It's a small paperback. You can read it in about two hours, hour and a half, two hours. And it's called The Bare Facts. I would suggest any parent read that that has small children because one, it will help you to understand more on sexuality and how then to share with your child the bare facts of sex, love, and relationships. They can probably find your stuff anywhere, but where, where do people find your books? Porn shops everywhere. No. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wish that was true. Yeah, no kidding. Just Amazon, bookstores, Christian bookstores, you'll find it. Google them. Books by Josh McDowell. Google. All the books by Josh Vidal yeah. <laughs> It'll take you forever to go through them. <laughs> yeah. Well, and we,
2: we so appreciate all the books you've written. So please tie into that, everybody who's listening, and, and check those books out. I'm um, Josh, so we've talked a lot about uh, different areas here. Final thoughts here to the, the body of Christ, the church, the bride. What are some things that you would just like to convey to all of us about this issue and what we need to be left with
1: in understanding today? I believe in this time and the age globally, and I speak globally because the internet has gone globally. I've been in 139 countries in the last 10, 12 years. It's interesting. Any joke that I tell in the United States, people understand all over the world. Why? The internet. It's become the world has become small. And one of the greatest positive inputs we have in pornography in life would be modeling a happy, loving intimate marriage and family number one number one the world is crying out for a happy marriage and they're crying out for a happy fulfilled family and i guarantee you if you live that out in your life you'll have so many opportunities to share christ i would say my relationship with my three daughters and my son has opened up more doors broken down more barriers, give me more opportunity to win people to Christ than anything else in my life. I remember um, in second grade, the teacher came to me who was a believer, but very outspoken against evangelists and everything because his father was an evangelist, but was a horrible father. So he took it out on everyone like me and everyone else. Right. And he had my son in a second grade class. He was a teacher of second grade. And I'll never forget downtown. He came to me. And he said, I'm really puzzled. I said, why? He said, I've never had a student in all my years who loves and respects their father like your son loves and respects you because he'd never seen it. It removed a lot of barriers between him and me and my son broke down those barriers. And I have so many say, you know, I've never heard a daughter speak so lovingly of their father, their mother and everything. The biggest thing is that you raise children in a way that they want what you have. Because if they don't want what you have, then why should they listen to what you say? Because if they listen to what you say, they'll have what you have and they don't want it. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, this is why I would ask my children, probably growing up once a year, because it constantly changes with kids. Like I'd say to my son, son, what shows you that I love you? And one of his first comments was, he was just a little kid, says, because you tell me all the time that's cute so that just kept me all the time telling him right. and later on about 2 3 years later I said son each year i would do it how do you know that i love you because you always hug and kiss me <laughs> see how it changed <laughs> from telling him to hugging kissing and etc yeah. and so i tell parents ask your children how do you know that i love you what shows you that i love you why you get to know What says love to your children? It can be different. And then you know which areas to reinforce. I would say to my children, what is one thing? What is one thing I could do to be a better dad? And you egg them on a little and they'll tell you. Give me a bigger allowance. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, kid, here's $50. He's six years old. (laughs) I really love you. (laughs) So I would say the last leaving words is... Pastors create models of marriage and family in your church. Have seminars on parenting and also supplement your weaknesses. You say, what do you mean by that? Look, a pastor cannot be a pro in every area. They can't be. Some are great at preaching, but not good at teaching. Some are good at teaching, not good at counseling. So know your weaknesses and supplement it. For example, maybe you're not good on teaching how to raise children even though you have great kids, you're not good at teaching on it, then bring in someone that is. Have a guest speaker, a seminar on it. Mm-hmm. Supplement your weaknesses. Accentuate your strengths. Mm-hmm. Supplement your weaknesses. Accentuate
0: your strengths. I really appreciate that. I, I appreciate the parenting advice too. I've got a two-year-old and a two-month-old and just thinking about how, how can we raise them in the right way. You've- you know the greatest thing you can do
1: for your child? What's that? Not to love them. That's not the greatest thing you can do. It's important. It used to be the greatest thing you could do for your child to give them security and all, but you know what it is now? The number one thing that will give a child security Tell me. is loving their mother. Yeah. Loving your mother and your child, knowing my dad will not leave is the greatest security. The love of a dad for a child's mother and a mother for the father has even greater positive things out of than loving the child. Uh, why? There's so much divorce going on. Kids are growing up in secure homes, thinking no matter how much my father loves my mother, my dad's going to leave. And so as a parent, you need to reinforce that. And I would see something. I remember one time in the steps of the ice cream shop and the uh, drugstore, Julian, California. I got down on my knee, looked my son right in the eye. was on several steps ahead of, above me. And I said, son, I want you to hear your father. I love your mother. I'm committed to your mother. I will never leave your mother, period. And my second grade son went, ah, thanks, Dad. Did he need to know that I loved him? No, he needed to know that I loved his mother. This is why I say to parents, make out all the time in front of your kids. Kiss and hug and hold hands, everything. Sweet talk right in front of your children. Let them see it. And I remember my kids would say, oh, Dad, come on. I'll say, okay, I'll stop it. No, no, no. <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. I love it. Yeah. That's just a, that's a logical emotional response of a yeah. young person. It's like you're hugging him and kiss. Oh no, don't do that. <laughs> okay. I won't anymore. Oh no, no, don't stop. That's funny.
0: Yeah. I remember I was, when I was about four years old, my mom told me that my mom and my dad would never get divorced and I was four years old. And I remember that. And it was, it was impactful and it was powerful and it's given me that security over the years that, no matter what happened, and they've they've held true to that. So it, I can attest to what you're saying, Josh. Such good stuff here. We really, really appreciate your time. We know you got a lot on your schedule, a lot of demand, and so we're honored and blessed that you've, you've come and poured into our audience and spent time with us. So thanks so much for your time, guys. Thanks for hanging out today. Got a lot of value and make sure to tune in next week for more good stuff. Take care. Thanks for listening. If you would like to hear more, please visit PureVictoryPodcast.com to subscribe. This podcast was made possible by the generous donations of our subscribers. If you'd like to help support the cause financially, once again, please visit purevictorypodcast.com.